When it's not Netflix movie night, it's game night. And Marvel Dice Throne is a fast and fun board game for all ages. Each player selects one of eight heroes to face off in a head-to-head battle to see who earns the right to take the throne. Gameplay involves strategically rolling dice to activate special abilities, playing unique hero cards to manipulate results, and upgrading your hero board to power up your stats. This is currently being crowdfunded on Kickstarter and will have Kickstarter exclusives. Go there now to reserve your copy. Hello and welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web at NomcastPod.com. All right, assemble your crew because we are covering two major Netflix titles that show some pretty impressive ensembles, The Harder They Fall, that debuts on Netflix on November 3rd, and Army of Thieves, the Army of the Dead prequel that dropped on Netflix this past Friday. So here to help me review these films and audition for the hot new reality show, So You Think You Can Crack, is one of our favorite return guests, Mr. Colby Mack. How are you, sir? Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Colby Mack, and I'm back on the Nomcast. I am the woman who is going to change your life forever. <laughs> My man's hyped up. I saw like your your text last night after seeing uh, The Harder They Fall. I, I'm very happy that both of you and I got to see us in theaters. I hope enough people did do that, took advantage of that. I have a feeling that's not the case because Netflix is is tough about like actually advertising this well. Because um, <laughs> when I saw it, it was opening night and it was me and one other person that was my guest. So if that was not the case, I am the, the marketing, I guess, for Netflix in theaters. But I'm glad that you were able to do it as well. Yo, I'm really happy too. And I'm thankful, honestly, for Netflix because so far as I can remember, I think this is like the third year in a row where Netflix in the theaters in the fall has been so dope. Yeah. Like it's been a really cool experience because obviously throughout the year, like you said, not only are they trying not to market their films that are actually screening in theaters at all, but they're only doing it just to oblige the rules for a lot of these award ceremonies. And it's like, this makes this, these properties that they choose at this time of the year so special. And it like, there's a magic to cinema at the theater. It's undeniable. And I get it kind of goes against their model, but I think that they can have their cake and eat it too. There is, a, there's millions of subscribers that are only going to watch this on Netflix. Yeah. But for the folks like you, me, and other folks that we follow, like this is something that should be kind of hyped up and celebrates. Hey, there's opportunity. And Netflix, you get the double dip because yeah. the money that you already have squared away for Netflix watching on the TV, this is just extra. Yeah. And I think with just a little bit of investment in marketing, this could be something that's really, really good. And this helps with the word of mouth a lot. So Netflix, if you're hearing this, and I know you are, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, no, and and listen, not only is it like special for that too, Colby, something I thought you were actually going to say is for, for multiple years that I've been covering this podcast, we now get a, a special fall big ticket thing 
that Netflix is committing to the all black cast stuff too, doing big time stuff. I mean, we had Ma Rainey close to this yes. time last year. You know, Dolomite is my name the year before that. Yeah, you got Defy Bloods. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff where they just are committed to that experience where I think certain studios are not. Now, again, <laughs> they're also fighting on all fronts, trying to be pleasing for everybody. Yeah. They're fighting the Chappelle thing now. Like, so th- <laughs> their rep isn't great with everybody, but that's one thing True. that I thought like to myself where I was like, good, you know, that's a good commitment that they've kind of been doing. You know, they did the black lives matter collection stuff. We've talked about that before. So it's good to see kind of this stuff, but to your point too, this is a great movie to be in theaters too. Like it, it was one of those ones where we earmarked because it was getting a theatrical experience because we were like, Mm -hmm. okay, this cast, holy crap. Like you're, you're going to think somebody might come out of this being up for an award of some sort, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what these people are <laughs> to us anyways. I mean, Jonathan Majors is blowing up. Everybody, Regina King, Lakeith Stanfield, they've all been in the conversations in the past, so why wouldn't they be now? But it's also just a big, explosive Western shoot 'em up So you're like, yeah, of course I want to see this in the theaters. That's the exact kind of movies I want to see. Um, I don't know, we'll get to it in a minute, whether everything panned out to that, but... Man, just at least even hearing a new Jay Z song blasting out in my movie theater, I'm I'm all about that. Yeah, man, it 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 was amazing, and it's crazy because I went into this movie so cold. Mm. The only thing that I knew about this film is that Andrew wanted to pot it up about it, and the fact <laughs> that it was coming about, and I tangentially kind of knew some of the players in it, right. but that's it. And it was amazing. I can't wait to get to talk about it. When you say players, do you mean the characters or actually just the cast itself? Just the cast itself. And the thing is, is that like, so when it comes to the characters, because I've been a slave to the American education system in (laughs) South Florida and then moving to New York. Yeah. There's so much of my history, my people's history, the folks that look like myself that just goes completely um, you know, just completely just like not talked about. And the biggest thing that I love about that film, and we're going to talk about it even more, is the fact that it says in black, in white, periods in the middle, these people existed. Yeah. Loved it. And you know what? Unfortunately, that's a reality they had to face because, uh, and we'll get to the that movie in a second, but I want to give a little backstory into the creators here and, and some of the things about, uh, the film itself, uh, uh, how it kind of came about. To me, this movie, it's directed by James Daniels, a.k.a. The Bullets, uh, who's a, a British musician. He's done everything between you know being a music video director, being a music supervisor for something like The Great Gatsby. Uh, you know, He's a musician onto his own, and now he's trying to get his, uh, you know, get into the foray of truly doing feature filmmaking. But a big thing about his career his ties to Jay-Z is exactly how we're here because this movie is produced in part by Jay-Z. Uh, there was a short film that he did uh, that was kind of like his first real uh, thing that of no, it was only 51 minutes long, but it was They Die by Dawn, which was released on, on. only on that title. That is a long, that's a long short film, guys. <laughs> yes, it is. That is boring. Like, you, why didn't you just write 15 more minutes? It would have been your first feature, buddy. But, <laughs> but however, the fact that he could come out and say, well, yeah, you know what? The Heart of They Fall with one of the biggest A-list, A-list black cast in a very, very long time. That's great to put on. Yeah, this is my first feature. Yeah. <laughs> But you can see the parallel between they by they die by dawn, which was released on title 
uh, which is obviously Jay-Z's platform that he created. Um, and part of the thing with that was like, man, there's is there enough subscriber base to be a title exclusive thing? But if you're only 51 <laughs> minutes, whatever, man, <laughs> you got to get, get somewhere. And obviously they would push it. But that movie, stop me if you've heard this uh, thing before, an all-black western. Uh, Colby, it was a tale about a shootout between four outlaws with bounties on their head with a winner-take-all stake. Now, and again, you want to talk about, for a 51-minute exclusive-to-title shoot, right, you had Michael K. Williams in this thing. You had... Uh, what's her name? John Carlo Esposito, Rosio, uh, Rosario Dawson, Exa- Jesse Williams. Yes. Uh, I mean, you got Isaiah Washington, Harry Lennox. You've got Erica Badu, Clifton right? Powell. Bro, so apparently it's like, hey, I'm taking like, I don't want to say B level, but like I'm mixing <laughs> some like A's, B's, and C's of black royalty, people yes. who I've grown up on since I was a child, right? Yes. And let me tell you something like Jay Z, like principally had to be like super duper bald to be able to have that talent just come backing on it. This is not something that happens, folks, but um, obviously he believes enough in, in, in like in the bullets work and, and, and his vision. And to be able to see that and what the evolution is now, eight years later with this, wow. Yeah. And especially like, the one thing that stands out, of course, from any person who's ever seen the trailer or knows about this story, the cast is the thing that jumps out at you, right? Because these are people we absolutely love. I'll list them off in a minute. But here's a fun fact. Here's who was in this movie who is now not in this movie. And you go, holy crap. So <laughs> so the movie was initially set to start shooting in March of 2020. But of course, we all know what happened starting in that month. Delays due to coronavirus forced the film to start shooting in September of 2020. And there was another delay in October with a background actor testing positive. So this has issues in terms of production. And the three actors they lost. Did you see this, Colby? No, no, no. Cynthia Erivo, Wesley Snipes, and Sterling K. Brown were initially in here, but the people they replaced them with were Zazie, Lakeith, Delroy, and Regina. So th- those were all late, like added in September editions that replaced those three names that I was like, wow. Because I, I, they didn't list which characters they play, but I am yeah. 100% Wesley Snipes <laughs> was Delroy's character. I could totally see him being the sheriff. Wesley Snipes as Bass Reeves, man. And okay. And Sterling K. Brown, I'm assuming was Lakeith Stanfield's character. Like, uh, what is it? Cherokee, Cherokee Bill. Bill. So that's pretty good. And Cynthia Riva, yeah. I guess, was Regina King, is my guess. Uh, she might okay. she might have been Zazzy, but I feel like Maybe. she fits okay. more the bill of Regina King's character. So I would agree. So because she's got that. You know, Harriet Tubman with a shotgun look to, you know, like that whole uh, kind of vibe. So I was like, all right, that could have worked really well, too. And I don't know if it adds or subtracts anything. The people they replaced, you're never going to, you know, say that they don't belong or whatever. But it's interesting where that shift happens. Because, again, this cast is bananas. It's unreal. Jonathan Majors, you couldn't get a hotter guy right now. Like playing that love here, being the center uh, of the story, coming off Loki and Lovecraft Country, the Five Bloods we already mentioned. A lot of people saw him get his start kind of like last black man in San Francisco time. So he is on fire. Idris Elba is kind of like uh, the opposite here, playing Rufus Buck. Him hot off Suicide Squad, a man 
who loves to be on a horse, apparently, because he did Concrete Cowboys uh, earlier <laughs> yes. in the year for Netflix. He, he was the gunslinger in the Dark Tower, right? Like So be- So it's got to be between Idris Elba and Numi Rapace as, like, the Netflix darlings, right? Like, I mean, it's what's their lot. contract? Like, how, how many Netflix films has he done so far? It's a decent amount. I mean, Beast of No Nation lot. kicked it off, so he gets to be it in did. the Hall of Fame. That was the, that was the first one, yes. Yeah, he gets he's his name in the rafters. He's got to to himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's got enough. And and, and I, I appreciate that because he's really good. And, you know, obviously people know him from Luther and other projects, you know, that really made him stand out. But he seems to be on a roll, mostly because I feel like he's taking all the roles. Like he's in yeah. every he's in a movie like every few months, it feels like. Yeah. Shout out to like his partner for like kind of like, you know, um, Stick with the fact that this man's never home. Um, know. <laughs> you know, it's, and it still finds time to be a DJ too. Like yeah. I'm the sexiest man alive. I'm the hardest working man in show business. Yeah. I got this hot wife, just had a baby, and I also DJ too. Like that guy's got it made. And he survived being in cats. Like this man, yes. like <laughs> that, that, that's how you do it. You just keep working and working and working until it's a volume shoot where they just forget See, exactly. that you were in cats. It, it, and, you know, the thing with him is, like, folks will say that, oh, sometimes he doesn't know how to pick projects because he kind of touches everything. And I guess he said he learned from Holly Berry that he wasn't going to let a cat role kind of derive his career and derail it. <laughs> yeah. So he said, oh, man, I need to wash away cats. That was literally, ju- was it last year? No, cats was two years ago. <sighs> two years ago. Time yeah, is yeah. so, like, weird to me right now. Yep. So, yeah, so that was two years ago. Yeah. That, was like, that was, like, right before COVID kind of started up. Yeah, that yes, was the quaint was story before COVID. <laughs> Cats movie? Yeah, remember yeah. buttholes being like taken out of movies? <laughs> oh man! Oh gosh! That seems like a such, like such a like a, a, a distant past, and he's just completely like put out five or six movies since then. It's just like yeah, we're I don't even that was a fever dream to me. I know, but yeah, and everyone's hot right now. Regina King, you know, One Night in Miami with the Watchmen stuff, like all that is like prime right in front of us. A long way from two two seven and Friday for me for me yeah. and everybody else. Zazie Beats is, you know, steadily climbing, you know, and her next project is Brad, Brad Pitt's movie Bullet Train. So she's going to keep climbing mm-hmm. along with that post Atlanta. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, you know, up for, you know, uh, uh, an Oscar nomination. Judas in the, yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah. Like that's, man. You can't get any better than that. And obviously that was following Uncut Gems, The Knives Out, and Get Out, and Straight Outta Compton, all these like big time films. Uh, and he's got a lot of Netflix films too, by the way. It's not just all yes. Idris Elba all day. That's true. He's got War Machine, Incredible Jessica James, Death Note. I'm not saying whether those movies are good or not. Um, but <laughs> I didn't mind. I, you know Jessica what? I James, didn't mind I Death like. Note. Yes. Yeah. So War Machine is okay. Death Note got panned. You know, it's tough. It's a tough deal there. Um, but like we were saying, Delroy Lindo, right off the Five Bloods, where he was robbed, god damn it, of, of an Oscar nomination for that one. Tion Cole, the comedian here from Blackish and the Barbershop Films. Danielle Detweiler, who plays Cuffy. I thought she had a tremendous presence in this film. Uh, like a person who I barely knew, you know, she's coming yeah. off Tyler Perry shows and, and a little bit of The Watchmen, you know, definitely stood out. R.J. Seiler, who's kind of like the fastest gun in the West character here to opposite Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, A.K.A. the Blue Ranger. Yes. Yeah. So that's what most people know him. He was also in War Machine and Sierra Burgess is a loser for Netflix. But like, yeah, everybody knows him as as far as like the Power Rangers stuff. Uh, Edie Gathke, who plays uh, Bill Pickett here. I knew him the first time I ever saw him because I'm a house watcher. 
Um, he was on uh, like a full season of House where he was like an intern trying to get a job and doing this whole thing where they called him Big Love because he was Mormon and it was very mm. ridiculous. But he was very His good. Two roles. Yeah. Twilight. Yes. Right. And X-Men he played Lebron in Twilight. Yeah. In X Men First Class, which he was such a nerfed character yeah. in X Men First, because Darwin is one of these strong. Like, I'm geeking out now, right? Yeah, I, can, I really hope that he could find his way back into there because I loved what he brought. Um, X Men First Class, one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. Totally, um, it's definitely inside my top ten. Um, and like, yeah, so it, it was so refreshing to see the folks that have popped up in and out of like my movie life since I was a kid. Yeah, right. And like, you, know, Dion Cole, like this guy is. Principally, like one, he's a stand-up comic, yeah, right. And then got more into comedic acting, and then seeing him in this role, whoa, <laughs> like, like he, you could tell he decided to go someplace very differently, yeah, with this than like what he's known for, sure, which is great. This is like when you have this big of a cast, it really does create this playground for folks to kind of do some things that's different from what they're known for, yeah. Um, and it just creates a lot of fun, and I would love to like just be a fly on the wall. I'm hoping to take this and parlay it into an opportunity where I start getting invited on the sets and stuff like that, because like <laughs> this is the magic and the way that like the sauce is made that I want to see and be a part of. Well, not to tip everything, what I will say, full warning right now, between these two movies. Both of them have aspects to them where I'm like, I can't help but spoil these things because those conversations need to happen. So I understand that if you're listening to this on the day of release for The Heart of They Fall, you need to go watch the film and come back because I have questions. I have things <laughs> that I need to to sort out with Colby, who maybe had a little better time than me with this film. So we're going to get to all that um, because... The end of this movie is the big twist. So you kind of have to reshape the movie after we do that. Yes. Speaking of writing, the last little tidbit for, for anybody here, especially with Colby talking about his childhood, um, the co-writer of this, besides James Daniels, is, I'm going to say, Boaz? Boaz, yeah. Yeah, Yaquin. Um, he's the writer of Now You See Me and Safe. He was also the director of Remember the Titans, which I feel like might be in the heart of a Col young Colby Mack. Absolutely, man. Um, it's crazy all the folks that are like super underrated in their career because like Remember the Titans was a big movie. Yeah. And you feel like as a director, you should be able to parlay that into like anything you want. Nope. You work with Denzel Washington and Disney. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know what happened. I, I want to hear what that E True Hollywood story is about. Yeah, totally. <laughs> So, all right, let's get down to brass tacks here, Colby, because I want to get right into the heart of this movie, a movie that you could tell even from the trailer has tons of style and some of the best actors working today. But the thing that I want to know after you tell me your general thoughts of the movie, my issue with this film, and we'll get to it in deep detail in a minute, is kind of the wayward plot as this movie progresses, and I kind of want to know your particular stamps on these certain things. So give me your general impressions, and we can get to that. Once again, these people existed. Yes. Right out the gate, strong, bold, strong, bold and declarative. These people existed. Um, you grow up thinking about folks like Paul Bunyan, and you know um, uh, John Henry and like all those. What, what was that movie like of like the, the fabled characters and like they they kind of they're all in a movie together. It's like something like wild, whatever, right? And I remember mm. like oh Paul Bunyan and they kind of they mashed up all the story characters together. I forget the name. I don't of know if I saw that. Okay. Right yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like it was like weird, right? So 
they're kind of like these fabled characters who there's that period like like after reconstruct like during reconstruction and before like the industrial revolution I don't really know what the American West was like, right. right? What's considered the West? I'm from New York. Texas is South, not necessarily West, but I guess that's West because once you kind of went past Texas, it's like you don't exist anymore and California, yeah. right? Yes. So that, that essentially <laughs> was West. So it was wild. I remember loving watching the uh, 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 Wild Wild West, um, you know, Jim West, my grandmother, something mm-hmm. like that yeah. and everything. And then loving what Will Smith did in uh inside of uh, uh wild wild west with Sama hayek and stuff like that sure. loved it i don't know people people can pan that all they want <laughs> so one i'm a fan of the genre because it is very simple right and it's very tropey so going in knowing that this is a western i'm going to get cutthroat brutality gruesomeness uh a uh, uh, love story you know the uh, you know kind of like you know the the scoundrels that you kind of love you know you have your principal protagonist and it's about desperados and outlaws that's what you're going to be able to get sure so knowing that and wherever your bar is for that genre is going to probably greatly dictate you know how you're going to feel about this film because it starts out with the truth these people existed and then immediately gets into just some of the gruesome most gruesome opening scene I've ever seen. Yeah, I was shocked because I did not know what the tone was going to be for this film. Yes, right? that's very. I mean, true. I'm looking at this cast of like diverse actors from all different backgrounds, and yet, are we going to play this straight? Are we going to play this comedic? This film wildly is in a mix of everything. It is like it opens up, and there's immediately just like I literally typed in, "Holy shit, this is ruthless." <laughs> yeah, he spit on a table. Uh huh. I know disrespectful acts. To spit on someone's dinner table is a very disrespectful act. Yeah, it's the opposite and of Dune. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is the absolute, I didn't even know, man. Absolute opposite of Dune. And this film just starts out super high. And for me, the lows that I experience, I feel like falls into a pocket that narratively a lot of Westerns kind of fall into mm. because they all chart the same way. We got our protagonist, you know, a man that's a, a lone wolf, you know, some parts probably tried the gang life and didn't realize it was for him and just wants to kind of be alone. And there's a woman who he scorned. And when they reunite, it's hot, but then it's cold, <laughs> yeah. it's hot, and then it's cold. And their love seems organic. But at the same time, it's like, why? Because we're looking at it through a contemporary lens. Why would we put up with this? Mm. We have to understand that this very much were archetypes that we're filling with this story. So if the bullets is following this, I'm along with the ride. And every character hit me. Once again, folks, for those that don't know that are new to the channel, that glad you be here, right? Uh, keep on listening, subscribe, download all that good stuff, right? <laughs> uh, the way that Kobe looks at any film, do I believe in this world? Yo, I absolutely do. Mm-hmm. Do I believe in these characters? Oh, hell yeah. After watching Dune, um, I could believe in the world of that, but I there was not enough meat on the bone in that film narratively to believe in the characters. Here, I am falling for every character. I'm falling for Pickett. I'm falling for Jim Beckwith. I'm fa- like, we get introduced to the antagonist and I am feeling so unsure. Am I supposed to like them or not? Because they are so relatable and so damn charming. That train scene, my goodness. And the fact that we get these setups where we just can be able to be here and Regina King, her character, Trudy, does something. And I just got finished watching Malcolm X mm. where she pretty much does the Malcolm X lift up. Yeah. 
and, and I was like, oh, oh, take like tingles <laughs> my spine. This movie is savage. It's about revenge. It's a very bloody movie that I had no idea mm-hmm. that was going to be. Um, I thought that there would be more, you know, titties in this movie than blood. No, <laughs> this movie. Let me tell y'all, this movie has no nudity in it. Yeah. Like, like it's very much a PG thirteen film, but like. It's definitely a hard, like it's it's a, it's a hard R as well, but just not for nudity. Which for a lot of people and their subjectivity and stuff like that, this is fine going in. All right, um, but yo, it's so the, the opening credits were fun. I like a director that's not afraid to be able to kind of like you know play with like his presentation of this art. Um, the, the music, the score. I mean, you're getting a little bit of everything. You're getting R and B. You're getting rap. You're getting classic. You're getting like you know this orchestral symphony. You're getting reggae. And the fact that the yeah. music is allowed to kind of be able to kind of you can tell this man has music video stylings because it feels like that. This yeah. has a lot of unique life to it. This is very much of the genre and of the time, but very contemporary almost to the point where I didn't know if the dialogue was meant to be now or then. And it kind of finds a unique pocket to kind of exist in both, which I liked. It did not rub me the wrong way. And then just being introduced to this cat. We have Damon Waynes Jr. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. The last movie I feel like I saw him in was not the movie that I want to remember him. And that was inside. (laughs) Love guaranteed, man. Yes. We just got to be love guaranteed. This is so much more redeeming than what we saw in love guaranteed. Um, And it's, it's just, this is so fun. And bro, I got to tell you, man, once again, do I believe in the world? Do I believe in the characters? Do I believe in their conflict and their convictions? Did they meet their goals? And was I moved? The conflict I got, but it took a very long time to get there. And Mm. I could probably lose some people if they're not invested in all the other things around it. But once I understood the conflict, and what the goal was, because in a Western, it's very straightforward. Right. You know, it's a guy going to go get the girl or go get the money. Sure. Right. Or defend a town. You get those things. And I didn't know if this movie was going to fall into that magical place. The magical place that I experienced with the Mitchell's versus the machines, the magical place that I experienced with Malcolm Marie. And then literally with 10 minutes left in the movie, something magical happened. I shouted out in the movie theater. I said, oh, shit, because (laughs) the writing and the delivery and the performance was so magnificent. And I don't know what I usually you can kind of see things coming a mile away. I did not see it coming. I didn't see it coming till Idris starts talking. And I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it made so much sense because then I flipped back to the first scene between Jonathan Majors and Nat Love and his encounter with the Scorpion Man. And it made so much sense. Yeah. And then I started crying and then I'm crying and Nat Love is crying. And then I've got Rufus Buck crying. And then it happens to do it again right at the end of the movie. And I clap. All right. I'm not that guy to clap in a movie. I'm clapping, bro. I lost it. And you know what the special part was? I wasn't alone. Me and like the dozen or so other people that were in this movie theater looked up on our seats and started clapping and cheering. It gave me that same euphoric feeling that I got watching Black Panther. Mm. Interesting. And it turned so it, it, it just became this like just completely special experience for me. And like I I'm so happy to be talking about it because I could not contain myself last night. That I mean, that's great news. I mean, for for Netflix and everybody involved and for that movie. I did enjoy a lot of this movie but 
part of my thing is because we can get right into it. You talked a lot about uh, about things that I like. Okay, let's start there. That opening scene is very well done and tense and bloody, and it writes a check for this movie that I don't know if the in between that and the end fully writes. Like I liked the Scorpion Man stuff uh, that immediately followed, but then slowly but surely as they try to insert things like the money subplot or the Rosewood (laughs) subplot, some of those things really kind of derailed what should be, as you said, where most Westerns are. Focus on the revenge plot, focus on why the connection between these two men, you know, and let everything else kind of play on the periphery because Mm -hmm. this movie... I don't know. It's it might be unfair, but all the marketing and all the 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 scenes that they showed early and everything else, I was kind of feeling like this was either gonna bend towards like a Guy Ritchie stylish western, like mm-hmm. if uh, because again some of the shot selection and some of the 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 shootout stuff, or even because we have Lawrence Bender here as a co producer, maybe a Tarantino influence as well. But none of that really kind of panned out. But even with all that here, I thought he was very consistent in his choices. So that's impressive as far as like a directorial debut for for James Daniels here too. But I think certain plot elements did get to me, even though I thought everybody was good. I thought, you know, uh, this cast, I thought Lakeith Stanfield was the best to me. Like he just has such a grip and a presence on this movie. And I thought because there were so many characters, I wanted more from Jonathan Majors. I think he's a star. I think he's an absolute star. He should be at the center of the frame for a movie like this or anything he wants to going forward. I think Loki proved that. I think this movie will prove that. And I think that's the narrative of how it should be going forward. But they derail all that. They keep going astray. I thought Delroy Lindo's character did nothing in this movie, like, yeah, he's the guy who caught Rufus Buck. Cool. What are you adding to get him back? What are we doing? You're part of this adventure. I thought they kind of moved away from him as as the movie. And you could see it because the at the end of the movie, everybody kind of pairs off into the, yeah. the people that make sense to them. And he's just kind mm-hmm. of on the side going, all right, see you when you're all set. You know, it, it didn't <laughs> make a lot of sense to me. But I think the big thing is once we get to the end of the film and you work backwards, as you were saying, I agree with you, we have a reveal here at the end. So again, all the spoilers that I was saying from before. So the twist is, is that Rufus Buck and Nat Love are essentially half-brothers, that they have the same dad that uh, Buck's dad left him after killing his mother and kind of leaving him to deal with that, and that because he was a drunk, he was a mean drunk, obviously an abusive drunk, and you know he leaves that family's life. And after he sobers up and wants, you know, to to restart his life with a new family, that's where we get Nat Love's family. And he's you know under a, a different identity, starts up a new family, and he's the young boy in the beginning of this film. Now that is all revealed at the end in this scene where. You know, Rufus Buck kind of lays it out there that he wanted, ultimately, after confessing for all his motives for those deadly actions, for killing his father, he wants Nat to take his revenge and kill him. Those were his words. 
and which could be a very powerful scene. And in a vacuum, that absolutely is. But the first thing I thought of was, okay, well, if all he wanted was to die at the hands of Nat after telling him the truth, then why take back Rosewood? Why have a whole plot where you need all this money? Why call Rosewood the promised land if you have no intention for fighting for his own life and building something here? I felt like that was going to be a bigger thing here, especially mm-hmm. with the all-black cast, that it was like, we're going to make this ours. I was hoping more for an Empire Strikes Back, to be honest, where it's like, join me, and like we've been wronged by the same man. You yeah. know, join me, and let's build Rosewood in a, in a fresh new start. Instead, it was kill me, let's get this over with and kind of just leave the remnants behind. And it it just didn't fly with me as much, especially because this movie is over two hours. And, yes. and there are a lot of things here where I was like, well, if ultimately all those things meant nothing to him and he's at the center of all this, why should I care in retrospect about any of that? Do you have anything for me to save my brain? <laughs> <laughs> I wish we would have spent more time with Rufus and he was he was in a very contemplative place at the end of the film. Keep in mind, he's seeing the showdown take place right in front of him as he's on the second floor of this building at the end of the town. And I think that he very quickly makes a flip in what his ultimate decision is. I wish that we would have had maybe one scene with him, you know, with a bottle, looking at things where it's like, hmm. The plan that I had marked out where Trudy's going to do his things or take care of his girl, whatever, whatever. Hey, go ahead and save Nat for last for me. Right. Because it's something I want to be. There's a proposition I want to make for him, right? But then seeing that Nat pretty much had like this great plan that, you know, essentially, you know, beat his plan, right? And his men. Yeah. Um, he's like, okay, I think I need to switch up because I recognize that he's better than me, you know? Because the, the, the thing that is kind of really weird and amazing about Rufus Buck, he is feared. And yes. he is a very intimidating... The camera does some amazing things of showing what his intimidation is. The fact that we don't see him yeah. at all until the second, till the end of the first act of the movie. Yeah. We don't see him at all. He's just like... And, and, and that's why I was interested to kind of see Bass Reed. It's like, he's not the devil. He's just a man. Right. Right? Yeah. Um. So for me, I get where you're coming from, and I can I can absolutely see that. And it's a writer. I'm like, yeah, one other scene could have pushed it for. I think I was just so connected to the other parts where it was something that did not derail me from how like the powerful emotional part. Mm. But I can kind of understand like how it can be written with a little bit more. I don't want to say necessarily better, but with a little bit more to provide that context. Because yeah, at the end of it, says no. If you just want him to shoot you, then like the moment that you were saved from the train, you just tell Trudy. True, they got something to handle. Yeah. But I think seeing as his plans kept falling apart, he gets back to, is it Rosewood or Reaverwood? What are those? Something Wood, right? When I think yeah, Rosewood, Rosewood, I yep. think of like that HBO movie. Yes. Um, yeah. that, that, let me tell y'all, if y'all ever see Rosewood, be prepared. That movie will fuck you up, all right? <laughs> it, is, it, it is hard to watch. Um, But he gets back to this town and recognizes that a man that he had entrusted a part of his gang sold him out. Yeah. So not only that, sold out the town. And I thought you were right. I thought we were going to go somewhere. He says, I want this to be an example. Oh, this brother's trying to set up and make something like he sees how corrupt America is. Right. The fact that you have essentially the U.S. government pardoning this man because they don't want to wash their hands of something of bad apples that they have. They rather use the bad people right. in this world to take care of their bad apples. So that way there's no blood on their hands. 
that's wild. And I wasn't too sure if that was real or not, but apparently it was. Yeah. Um, and that train scene, it is just fantastic. And I loved it. I totally loved that scene. I think in the second and beginning of the third act, we get much more of a hateful eight kind of playing out as opposed to a magnificent seven. Yeah. And sure. I think the trailers probably sold more magnificent seven. And there was just much more drama and dialogue that was going on that I still love because at the story at the heart of this, there's a man who his name is Nat Love. Right. And as much as he is an outlaw, he's a lover and he loves this woman. Right. And he made a mistake by trusting her to do something that she thought was going to be the right thing. And it bites him in the butt for it. Um, I could have lived completely without that robbery scene. Like mm-hmm. we got to that point in the movie. I was like, I'm not too sure how much movies left. We're well, very we're deep. Get- yeah. Yeah. I'm like, are we really about to get like him trying to rob something? Because that's not him. That's not a part of his code. He's never robbed anybody. Right. He's the outlaw that robs outlaws. Right. But I think ultimately what sold me is that Rufus Buck is the outlaw that makes outlaws. Mm. And because of his sacrifice that he did for Nat, he turned him into an outlaw because he knew that that would be, that would mean the worst that if his father, whether he was in heaven or hell, right. Yeah. Could watch and he could see that because of what you did to me and my mother, I'm turning your prized possession into the worst version of me. Right. And it made it so much stronger for me because the line that marries as he beats asked him is the devil dead. And what did he say? I don't know. Right. Because he's unsure if he's the devil. Bro, I lost it. I like <laughs> it's 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 that writing that for like that's that magical shit right there where I like that that's what gets me cinematically hard. Yeah. Like I just like <laughs> ooh, ooh, and I couldn't contain myself. Like it, so, like it's very Shakespearean in this regard, and like I, I, I love this. So all that stuff was happening, and I get where you're coming from. You are not wrong, right? But I was being fulfilled in so many other areas that it kind of I washed it over because as long as it made sense in the end, I didn't necessarily mind. You know, some of like the um, hopscotch it was playing to get there. Yeah, which is that's actually a great term because one of the first things I thought of after finishing the movie is. I always I felt like how I felt about the music, how it played in this movie was exactly how I felt about the movie itself. I felt like every other scene I was like, this is incredible. Like this hits all the right notes at the right time with the right people. Look at this. All the elements come together. And then the next scene, I'm like, I'm bored. I don't know if that worked. This seems uneven. (laughs) What's that dialogue? And I kind of went back and forth. I'd love to give this movie a second watch to really feel like now that I know where the puzzle pieces fit, is there more intention? Is there stuff that I missed? Um, one thing, because I, I keep trying to bring it up and I keep screwing it up. The the short film, quote unquote, that, uh, that uh, James <laughs> Samuels did, I looked up the reviews for that because part of my red flag going into this movie was that got quote unquote bad reviews. Now, I will say quote unquote because I looked into the like I looked it up on IMDb and it's got like a sub five rating. And I'm like, that's not good. Look at all these people. That sounds like a cool plot. Trailer doesn't seem like it's hokey. What happened with this movie? And I will tell you, the people who bought in were all in. And the people who thought this was a travesty to Westerns and had kind of like a racial bend saying this is a revision Mm. of history. That's why you get the opening title thing with this movie and good for them. Put it on them to be like, no, your version of history is not all of history. Go back and do your research. Look into these characters. 
So I'm I love that these characters exist. I love that this movie exists. I love that they can assemble a crew like this. But man, did I want like the Western Avengers kind of feel <laughs> like we're all coming together, rallying around this one thing and have something a little more cohesive? Totally. But and I don't think I got that. But man, I I, I thought everybody had really good presence. There's some amazing scenes in here. When the music kicks in sometimes, I'm like, man, I want more of this. Like like you were saying, the combination sometimes where it's like, you got an orchestra going over hip hop beats, a reggae beat here, all these type of things, the Jay-Z song in the over the title credits. Awesome. And I just thought for me that that opening scene and that opening intro to even older Nat Love wrote a check that the movie didn't cash for me. Like, it was too late by the time we get to the truth, and the truth kind of unraveled some things that I thought, like, why are we wasting time to get to the revenge? And, 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 and so that's where I felt, like, a little uneven, so I'd give it kind of a... <laughs> a more a pro- it was a promising film that didn't fully land for me but god i can live in that world at times like all day i just want to see well, more of those characters in their element and we will have the chance to i know the regina after, king stinger how do you feel i mean the fact that the stinger still plays it but like before the credits and like it, it, it i did not expect it so a part of me when it happened, right? Because we get this amazing, you know, climactic battle between uh, Zazie Beetz character Mary and Regina Car- Regina King's character Trudy. Understand that Regina King, since the time that she was a preteen, has been on the silver screen, you know, the small and silver screen, right? And we've principally seen her as a very sweet, kind, you know, woman. I mean, she's got these like just, just stunning, you know, light brown eyes, mm-hmm. you know, piercing. Yeah. And seeing them in a villain role, who? She gives a dialogue. She gives. She gives a monologue. My apologies um, about her family dating uh, Mary. About like you know what's her real reason for coming back to Rosewood, and I believe every word of it. Mm. I can see her as a child and her sister, and I, I want to talk to her. I swear, if I can get a chance to interview her, man. Um, the selection of that dialect. It's like it's not. So it, it's all, it almost feels like Creole mixed with Caribbean, mm, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I would love to kind of explore more of that. And just seeing her devotion to Rufus without never seeing anything romantic between them was this air of mystery that I didn't quite understand. I thought, are they themselves family? Right. Because I don't know why she sees such a despicable man, but gives him all the esteem. Right. Right. And her performance was fantastic. I I, I, there's so many things. There's so many things I have to catch up on that I haven't like begin to like really think where this film lands in regards to awards and recognition. But everything she's doing is as good as what she did in Bill Street Could Talk. Sure, is as good as what she's done in you know inside of The Watchmen. You know what I mean? Like it is good. She Regina King has like transcended to an area which it was interesting because I grew up with her in, like in the late '80s and '90s where she was like the good girl next door. Yeah, and then she evolved into something else and has like been like an absolute beast and now it's so automatic where it made sense at the end it's like oh you're not getting rid of Trudy just by smacking in the face with the butt end of the rifle which she was old one after way that Zazzy took that hit from her because <laughs> she like yo Trudy is a she is bad to the bone she may, she may not even know herself the truth between Rufus and Matt 
So now her revenge, literally, I, I just want to be how Trudy's revenge. And what's the what is the the crew of folks that she's gonna go get? Because the opening scene is gonna be her slipping inside of uh, Mary's bed and slitting her throat and bathing in her blood or something like that. That's what I believe because that's what I was shown. I like that. All of her acts. Yeah, I mean, like, imagine open film with that, and that's gone away. Do something. He comes back just, just like you know, literally, Mary strung up like a shower curtain. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like some real, just out of this world stuff. Yeah, that gets me so excited that we can still have time to be able to spend. It was, it, it was great, man. I cannot wait for more of this world. I'm really excited. Give me more, folks. When I say this, in the same way that um that Jordan Peele said it. It's not that I want more movies with less white presence on screen. I just want more movies that have a lens that is specific to a black and brown audience that shows that we have stories big enough to tell that deserve to be told on the biggest screens and Netflix screens. You know, this film had the presence of white folks in it for like what one to two percent of the movie, right? Yeah, and cartoonishly <laughs> so. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and, and you, you know what? This has nothing to do with their story, right? And this, these are real characters that I need to now further investigate and see what was shown to me, what was it, and why wasn't it? Yeah, you know, the, this gets me super duper excited. This was like a film to me. This was like the contemporary Western version of what Harlem Nights did for me as a child. Mm-hmm. That was my yeah. favorite movie growing up. I've watched it more than a hundred times and seeing the regality of these black and brown stars that have been all over the spectrum of entertainment, be able to showcase in that movie yeah. meant the world to me as a as a young child, four or five years old, when I was watching it and over and over, I watched that scene between Eddie Murphy and Aretha <laughs> over and over again. You shot a pinky toe, you shot a pinky. This movie is so funny. Folks, if you want to laugh, if you want to cry, I tweeted, I never hooted hooted and hollered and cried and shouted so much like I did in this movie. So, uh, yo, I I can't recommend it. This is a movie that I'm going to tell, hey, have you seen uh, Heart of the Fall yet? Like, I'm yeah. glad it's coming out Thanksgiving because I'm going to tell everybody in my family to watch it. We're going to watch it together. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I do hope for its success, too, because I think this movie's, I, again, I love the fact that we were able to see it on a theater because I think that captures that big vibe, the big sound, the you know, the shootouts, everything you want to see on a big screen. So I think it might overwhelm folks on Netflix. I think so it might play very well on the small screen for that effect. And I'd be into a sequel. So I don't have that many issues with it to where I don't want to see more of this world. I just think, you know, I was hoping for for more of the payoff. When you're going to throw a big twist in there, get me right there because I think I want to live in that end more than I want to live in some of that middle. So Mm. I would say, I would say, man, give me more of that. That's my issue or my, my worry, I guess, for any kind of sequels going forward. Is this a unicorn that they were able to get this cast together at the right time and fill it in? What are we going to get with the sequel? Especially Regina King. And we, we mentioned, you know, Idris Alba, you know, working constantly. She's not far behind, man, between directing, being in the right projects, you know. And, and one thing I did want to mention before we uh, move on to the next film, I don't know if, again, some of their projects blend in uh, because a lot of these actors take really big swings with really important black stories. And Regina King is one of those where we saw, you know, Black Wall Street. On on the screen with Watchmen, and she's a part of that story, and and really kind of coming into bringing things like 
How many people do you think just discovered Juneteenth for the first time this year, Colby? I mean, like, we're, we're starting to develop some of these things, and that's why I think I got so hung up on the whole Rosewood promised land thing. I was like, is he trying to do, like, you know, take this town for himself, make it in an image like kind of a Black Wall Street, make it something in the Old West that they can own, use that money and put it going forward. And I don't know, man, just when that didn't, that kind of fizzled and went away, I was just so deflated by that because we keep seeing some of these great stories put out there in the last few years of, of things that were unearthing things that if you were in like a white suburban town, you didn't know shit about in your history books. And I think we need more of that. And so I think that's where the tone of this movie, it kind of goes back and forth to where if they streamlined it a little bit, maybe had, you know, some larger ideas that kind of panned out a little bit more. I would have loved it, but I still enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested in a sequel to see where we go, especially if you're telling me we're starting with slitting throats. Let's do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> but if you had to put a grade, on, you seem like you're pretty high. Where are you like in a five star thing? All the stars, five of them <laughs> to be specific. Yeah, bro. So this is my this is my fourth perfect score of the year. And keep in mind, perfection is purely subjective. Totally. But like I said, I I, I want a, a world that I believe in, characters I believe in, believe in their convictions and feeling moved in that special magic moment. And I got it. So Netflix owns three of my perfect scores. Malcolm Marie, The Mitchells of Machines, and now The Heart of They Fall. Interesting, man. Yeah, I'm probably... Like a 3.25. I know okay. it seems very specific, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I was in, in spots. I wanted more, but from what I got, that's where I land, I guess. And I, I hoped for, dude, when we did the preview episode of what was coming out, this was the movie I circled and I said, that's going to be the one. And so I don't know if, again, because I went in with such high expectations that maybe I was just let down slightly. Maybe if I went in colder like you and kind of just rode the lightning, per se, uh, maybe I'd have a little something different. But we'll see. We'll see if we get a sequel. And, man, I'd, I'd be very interested to see because Netflix is thirsty for sequels. So if they could get another all-black cast, kind of assemble the troops on this one, too, and kind of huddle around the Regina King character, I'm okay with that. Yes, sir. Hi, I'm Mike Phil. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. I swear I talk more in the episodes. Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies and their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. Speaking of sequels and world building, the next movie we're finally going to get to is Army of Thieves. And you, sir, were on this podcast for Army of the Dead when we watched that. And we were kind of like projecting forward like, all right, this is kind of the world they're building. It's kind of odd that they're going to their next movie is a prequel with a character that is presumed possibly dead. 
Although I would say to to put a pin in that for now, we'll talk about that at the end. But you know, a same writer uh, using that character that is presumed dead as now your lead and your director. It had a lot of things where we were just like kind of tilting the head at it, like that's an interesting uh, <laughs> way to build this world out. I don't get it. And and then you see the trailer, I'm like. This looks like a lot of fun, and and some of the characters that uh you know the the actors that are involved, I'm like, Natalie Emmanuel, man, woof! I turn into Bugs Bunny with the heart popping out of your chest, like cartoonishly. <laughs> I'm like, man, she is smoking forever, Masendi. Oh my yes. god, yeah, and obviously, yeah, ever since Game of Thrones, just wow, she just leaps out, you know, all her different looks and everything else, she just gorgeous and she she has such a presence that i think you need it in this movie because the sebastian characters quote-unquote Dieter character from army of the dead is the is the lead here but he's played very much like you know almost like a comedic like character that he's all over the map so you need someone to be the gravity here to kind of keep this movie going forward uh as i noted it was a prequel for army of the dead it's set before those events or it's sort of kind of parallel depends yes. on where you want to start the story um and it uh, focuses on like we mentioned Dieter uh the German safecracker who is now leading a group of aspiring thieves on a top secret heist during the early stages of that zombie apocalypse in Las Vegas um early scores are pretty favorable outside of the major critics so like the metacritic score not too good 48 it's it's down in the dumps mm. but I think the rest of the scores are basically fair. Uh, tomato meters, 70%. Audience score is 78%. Uh, IMDb is 6.4 and Letterbox is 3.0. I think, you know, as far as trying to sell a movie that we kind of like took a side eye at from the beginning, I think it's kind of successful right now. We'll get to our own opinions uh, right now, but... I think they have to be encouraged by this, Colby. What did you think, especially as a person who came on this podcast, we went in super detail for Army of the Dead, and now here we are jumping right back into this world. Oh, man. Like, my favorite piece of Army of the Dead was Dieter. I agree. And I loved how lovable he had this very kind of, like, offbeat charm to him that just, it hooked me, right? Yeah. Um, and we went, in, we went in depth with that character. And when you told me, that there was something already in the works. Like, it's weird because Netflix for the longest time really wasn't into sequels and prequels. And not so much into it. There just wasn't a, there wasn't a hunger for them. Right. You know, they have stuff that comes and then it goes. And the fact that Zack Snyder can come into the fray after leaving DC and have a property that essentially is sprawling from what I'm hearing. And the world that he's building there's attempts there. There's yeah. swings. And in my opinion, in regards to Army of the Dead, was a miss. But I'm surprised that we got this. All, like, you told me it was already done. I was like, wait, what? What? Yeah. It's already done? There's an anime? What? <laughs> so once again, do I believe in this world? I do. This world has a sense to it, kind of like what the John Wick world and the Continental brings to it, right? Mm -hmm. Can't wait to see that show, right? Um, and understanding what is Dieter, or as he's better known, uh, 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 Sebastian Select one heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I love the fact that said, I'm not even going to try that and mother effing last name. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but we get brought into this world where it's like this Dita fairy tale, you know, and his 
his his his accent is so like you can't hate it at all, no. right? Um, you cannot hate it. it. There's something about that that is so like just kind of like oh, it's so warm. And just hearing him kind of tell the story, and he tells the story like you know like it's a fairy tale in the same way he talks about um, he has for you know for Wagner who's the godfather of safes, and it's it's very whimsical. It still very much fits in the tone and style of Army of the Dead. I was surprised that Zach. This is Zach's story, right? Like this, this is this is not the Diener, like the the, the 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 direct. This is not his story. You know, I was like, oh, he's just directing it, and you told me that he's a big thing, and he's a super big thing. But this is Zach's story. Well, um, Shay Hatton's story. It's Sh- Zach's Sh- characters, Sh- yeah. but yeah, they they're yeah. working kind of in tandem on this whole world. They are, yeah. Yeah, and, but but she had like she, this is this is their this is their screenplay, right? Um, and it's just not this man who's this unsatisfied, I guess, bank teller. But he's had he has this you know this masterful skill, and then we get like the safe cracking Olympics. I'm like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, look at this underground world, and it definitely does spiral into like cartoon stuff. But I'm kind of with it, you know. Right. It, it, it kind of I gave it permission. Just let me kind of go along. It does a lot of like the Ocean's 11, 12, and 13 stuff that we like. Um, for some reason, even though it's a shorter film, no, actually, it is. No, over it's hours. over it's, two hours. That's, that's kind of one it of my need, own. It, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This 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 needed to be a, a tight. This needed to be a hundred minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, absolutely. Um, because it does it does kind of lull a bit in the second act in, in the second act and stuff like that. And, hey, writers out there, yo, just. There's some people that can t- that have strong stories to tell and know how to start and know how to finish, but have such a hard time keeping it there. That's where TV writers can thrive in the film world. They need to like, look, this is where you just have to write situational comedy, but it's got to be good. Sure. And there's characters who, if I'm comparing it, you know, to Heart of the Fall, who I can't even remember their name except for <laughs> uh, Mr. Kane, Brad Kane. Yeah. Um, I like the Nick Cage like, kind of like nods there. It's fine. Yeah. I definitely do, but. So is he is he American living in the UK or is he a UK pretending to be American? That's the one thing I wasn't able to really kind of understand. Yeah, I guess he grew up on those movies by and there's no real full accent, so he might yes. be a expatriate like or like some kind of like, or yeah, something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I could not believe necessarily in him. I couldn't believe in the like in the relationship between him and Gwendolyn. To be honest with you, um, I love that artist who I think she's like. Portuguese, um, she's fantastic. She looks amazing, um, and she's just a fun character. You talk about Ruby Ophi, kind of, yeah. Like she yeah. just kind of disappears at the end. Um, the ending is is not really hitting it for me, um, but I do like a lot of the stuff that happens. I will say a lot of it does seem very contrived because if I'm robbing a bank, I'm going to put things in motion to where I get every dollar of that bank. Right. They're leaving with backpacks. Yes. And there's so much money that's being left behind, and I don't understand it. I believe- Yeah, money is heavy, everybody. (laughs) Exactly. It's very heavy. And I believe Dieter and why he has the affinity for completing this quest. I'm being told that Gwendolyn, by Gwendolyn, that she has an affinity for this quest. I don't believe that. I agree with that. And- and I, I and, and that was a little bit troublesome for me, but I still had a lot of fun with this. And I would not mind seeing where this goes and how we can kind of find a way to retcon what happens in Army of the Dead. Yeah, I think Gwen and Dieter's character kind of align their hearts with just wanting to be something bigger, kind of like find yes. their own identity and kind of lock into greatness historical uh spot legacy i think is kind of things where their hearts meet though you're right like a lot of it is you know 
uh, too simplistic, too easy, not more yeah. told than shown. There's a lot of mm-hmm. that. And I think this movie has uh, a villain problem more than anything. Because as you mentioned, yes. you, you were saying about the ending doesn't really fully do it. And I think that's because the chase means nothing to me. Because it either yes. seems so easy and the only things that are in their way are like procedural things, not Interpol, not the people yes. who should be uh, chasing him. And oh, by the way, part of the things that you can kind of like about Army of the Dead is that Tanaka sent in a Trojan horse, you know, sent mm-hmm. in a person undercover to kind of infiltrate. Why are we not doing that again? Dial it up, baby. Like Tanaka is mentioned in this <laughs> movie because he owns all these safes. And this is this big badass with resources. He's getting robbed left and right, and we see nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Zero of this dude. Why? He's much better and more compelling than Interpol. Like, have his gang and everything else. He should have had the guy who was the Trojan horse to be in this movie. Yes. He, the Interpol like, guy should have been that guy versus, yes. like, oh, they shot me in the ass once. That is so <laughs> weak that I was just yes. like, oh, this is so. It was the, the Interpol agent and his team are the least enjoyable part of this. And it sucks Absolutely. that he gets the last big scene because nothing about him stands out. He's not intelligent. He's not matching nope. wits with them. He's not matching the talents of these criminals. So why do I care about him? Why do I care about this parallel, you know, this kind of duel? And then, of course, the ending we get is what I like to call the Harry and the Hendersons ending, where basically it's her choice to just kind of like be caught and and tell Dieter like you get out of here and just yelling at him like the end of Harry and the Hendersons like trying to get out of here for your own See, best sake. My archetype for what that villain needs to be, especially like in that role, is like forever going to be Tommy Lee Jones and inside you know like you know uh, the future. Yeah, right? totally. Like I need Sam. I need Samuel Gerard. You know who is like like who's cunning, who could be able to match wits with like, you know, playing opposite like our protagonist and stuff like that. And like, ultimately, you know, he's got to be like right in the end because he's the law. Yeah. And like, so if you fall below that and this falls very below that, like cartoonishly, this guy is, I'm just like, all right. Like, I I don't know. And then, then the thing is, is that if that was good, it almost creates like this mask where you don't necessarily see some of the other like little holes that come up throughout of this. Let me tell you something like Rolf, that actor, hilariously funny. I forget the movie that it was in previously where I was like, I love that guy. Oh, I almost okay. felt like he was stymied in this role because he is really, really funny. Yeah. No, nothing to do. Nothing. To, he barely even drives. I know. Like we, we don't <laughs> yeah. get a chance in his little video lead up to like who he is, which I, I appreciate those in this type of like I do too. heist thriller and stuff like that. But like he doesn't get a chance to then do it at all. I want to see him outrun the cops and create madness and chaos and damage and destruction. Yeah. And we don't really get a chance to see that the hacker doesn't really get a chance to do the hacky things. Nope. I get a little bit of an opportunity to be able to see Gwendolyn do her pickpocket thing. And that's about it. I will say with Brad Cage and that kind of escape in the second heist, everything like that. But then the more and more you think about the heist, why are they happening? Mm. Like, like, so these three kind of not so mythical safes. They're in, like, somebody's using them. Right. I guess it's, it, like, they know that they're there. Yeah, whose right? money is and, this? Is it yeah. all Tanaka's that he's spreading the wealth? Correct. And this is my thing, right? So it's these very elaborate plans to crack the safe, I almost feel like as much effort or maybe a little bit less can put into just getting the code from the person who owns the safe. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess. I could just get, like, somebody's got, people who work there, 
if they're putting money in it, they have to have the code. I guess it's not as fun, of yeah. course, right? But with the storytelling of when, when 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 Sebastian goes and gets to these safes and he's talking about it, in my mind, and here's me as a writer, and this is tough, right? What does this safe mean to Gwendolyn? Yeah. And in my mind, I, I told Lila, I said, oh, she's um, she's this dude's granddaughter. This is the there's something that she's hoping to find inside these. She doesn't need money. She's rich. Yeah. She's doing this, like I said, for the legacy of it. But the thing is, every time that Dieter's going in and talking about the story behind the safe, she keeps acting like she doesn't care. She's like, okay, just open it. Yeah. So then what is this to you? I'm thinking there's something gotta be in there and there's nothing in it. There's nothing even in the last one. Yeah. She's like, so what was the point of it all? Because nobody knows that you're doing this. Yeah. Like, it's not like you have this, you're, you're not, you know, you're putting a YouTube video out like, look what we did. No, 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 no. Yeah. This is just to open it. Well, that's okay. why the mid part of the movie is almost the best part of the movie, because the second heist, you see Gwendolyn actually kick someone's ass. Like, yes, she has to take dudes out. She's incredible. It, not lethally. Right. Great. Yeah. She's a trained pro. You get to see all her skills on display, followed by Dieter actually having I should be calling him Sebastian, I guess, at this point. But like, I know. <laughs> but he's he fails. He has to yes. actually get back and like hook in. And really kind of like overcome adversity. There's And then while there's the robbery going on upstairs to distract, and then it's the chase and you got to run away, and then it's the double cross. Everything that's cool about this movie happens at the second heist. Other than yes. that, shrug. I, like, it, it just kind of... <laughs> but what's weird is that I still had a decent amount of fun with this movie, though. Yeah, and I did. And here's the big thing, because like we talked about a lot with Army of the Dead or whatever, and, and where we were like... You know, this is world building. They're going to do all kinds of stuff. And in fact, if you want to be super nerd about it, because apparently Zack Snyder is, the some of the stuff with the safes, if you really get deep, all that Norse mythology, Zack Snyder, oh, by the way, is making a, an anime show that's all about the Norse gods and kind of like his take on Ragnarok. So this might go real deep, Colby, like stuff it that could, people man. aren't even talking about. Because as you mentioned, like, Zack Snyder were like, oh, yeah, cool. He's doing a movie for Netflix. I hope maybe he does more. Dude had six projects greenlit, like, in the last year. <laughs> it's all coming together, including yeah. Planet of the Dead, which is the now the sequel to Army of the Dead, which I oh. guess I'm kind of, yeah, it's been greenlit. So we'll see. Um, but And we'll see when they get to it because you need <laughs> to crank this stuff out, man, because yeah. the interest level on Netflix is not going to hold past another yeah. year or two um no, no, no. but you get all this momentum where it's like okay why we get all this caring about Dieter right he can't be dead in that safe at the end of army of the dead now yeah, right man. there's like and Snyder's kind of winked at that already kind of saying yeah he's probably not dead so like I think there is more to this which again two things I want to know from you one did this movie do enough for you that you now care about Dieter and want him to survive Army of the Dead and you're more looking forward to seeing the next installment of this series? Also, did the present day, like the backdrop of the Army of the Dead the zombie apocalypse stuff do anything for you for the film itself? First question, yes. I care about Dieter and want to see where he goes. Second question, I'm so unsure because where we were left at the end of Army of the Dead, like I forget what his name was, but it's you know it's it's Omari Hardwick and the guy with my the dude, saw, yeah, yeah, uh, he's on a plane, fully infected, <laughs> yep. about to just completely mess up all of America. 
America. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm trying to figure out how does we do not have a Dave Bautista. Right. I damn sure don't want his daughter. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> I want nothing to do with this chick. Sure. Um, I don't believe anybody else made it out alive. No, nope, right? I don't think so. <laughs> Tignataro so, um, playing a uh, helicopter crash and yeah, like yeah. Every, everybody's everybody's gone. Like, uh, like I, I just don't know. I, I I want to see Gwendolyn come back, right? Right. Like, she's so not dead. She's in prison. So yeah. the assumption so, is uh, that Planet of the Dead might be Dieter gets out, realizes like the world's there's a safe crazy. in the safe. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, <laughs> he's now gone from cracking safe to cracking her out of prison. So it's a prison okay. break movie with him trying okay. to use his skills to break her out. And that that makes a lot of sense. And then also get together and kind of take this dude down. Because a lot of people are trying to connect the quote-unquote like hero's journey Joseph Campbell stuff with Dieter now. Because it's like, okay, because okay. he's the only one who has a follow-through, you know? That's true. So he has the, the his origin story movie. He now has mm-hmm. his call to... To to be a hero Actually, for his friend yeah. here and lock himself, uh, lock his friend in the safe and and mm-hmm. kind of take on all these zombies to save a life. That's his call to action. And then now you're going to be like, all right, I didn't survive all I'm this to do nothing and sit on the sidelines. I'm now the leader of this thing and then goes forward. Does he have the personality to do that? I guess maybe him and Gwen together do. But that's the only reason why I can think why this movie exists is to now say, well, now this is the Dieter arc. Where, because originally you're like, this is Dave Bautista's thing, right? So yeah. uh, why does he die? So we were all like, yeah. uh, at the end of the movie, we're like, <laughs> what is the end of this movie? Why are we still going? <laughs> There's a bu- world building here. You killed your lead. So now I think that's what this serves. And I don't love the like i said they mentioned tanaka they do nothing with it you're mm-hmm. you're seeing his kind of like living nightmare kind of like day day daymares sure um uh, about like you know these visions of him dying or being attacked they're by they're very specific in the dialogue to say that they're not dreams that they are visions right right premonitions like, what, yeah what, whatever whatever mythical and kind of like super sci-fi shit that's about to go on with these zombies because right like i said i saw blue eyes and electricity pop from somebody's zombie head yeah and i'm just told to just wait it's all gonna make sense in the next movie or two right um i don't know what happens i think that netflix needs to figure out okay who who's the big guy that we need to get to play opposite teacher teachers are gonna be a follow through Gwendolyn's gonna come back i think it's gotta be john cena for some reason that's the name that's making sense <laughs> to like be as like you know like he's got to be in that too, you right? Know? Like we got to form a team to take down these zombies, and I think that John Cena is gonna like revert back to like you know super nice soldier boy, and he's got to come along for the ride. I, I don't know. How do you how do we red notice this? I was about to say that's not bad, <laughs> but also just you know spitballing here. You know who else is in prison? Their own personal action hero, uh, Brad Cage here. That if they break oh, they break the right. team out and be like, we need you for this larger cause but you can't trust them but you hope that it goes and it's this kind of back and forth Mm -hmm. while you're trying to save the world from this you know zombie who got on a plane is gonna start killing people so that might be interesting do they have enough of a presence to sell me on another movie with this crew i don't know about that (laughs) i don't know about that but we'll see i mean hey i don't know we're gonna talk about it yeah we're gonna watch it we're gonna talk about it do i need to see more rubio fee yes because she yes. is gorgeous. And do I no, need to she, see... She, 
she did dime out Gwendolyn, right? So, like that's how she, that's how the dude get, got to the pier. Kind of. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly what she told you kind of just, and they mentioned something about her brother, brother. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, who, who's the brother in prison now? And I'm like, is it Dave Batista? Is it like, are we connecting those things? I don't know. Are we connecting other people that well, are in I thought this you universe? met her younger brother. Like we know where your brother is. Right. Cause didn't like they get separated or something like that. <sighs> I thought the story with Gwen and Brad were like, kind of orphans or whatever or like they were yeah. like together in tandem or like sh she ditched they, her they were family like or whatever. prime schoolers right. yeah, oh yeah because like their family was school. rich or whatever yeah so i guess yeah. they knew each other in that world or whatever and kind of yeah just ditched their families but i don't know if i remember rubio feet like the karina character's backstory enough because when they said it, i was like her brother like i, I yeah. just was like okay <laughs> are we just like leaving breadcrumbs like uh this is the thing when you're world building sometimes where it's yes. like <laughs> Did I give a shit enough about Army of the Dead <laughs> to remember all this other stuff? Because I'm actually glad that they end the movie where we catch up mm -hmm. with Army of the Dead. Because yes. otherwise I was like, do I have to go rewatch Army of the Dead? I don't really want to do that I, yo, right now. I literally <laughs> was about to. <laughs> I was about to say, hey, because I remember what we were talking about. I was like, wait, I could have swore that Dieter said that he's never seen a zombie. He's never had yep. to kill a zombie. And I'm like, okay. He still didn't have to see or kill a zombie in this film, True. even though the zombie apocalypse was taking place around at the same time, but also made it seem like that he's never done this type of thing before, like trying to crack a save or whatever. Like, no, he's definitely has, like, he's cracked three of the safes leading up to the magnum opus that is this super duper safe, yeah. you know? Um, so it, it's, I, I am definitely still intrigued. I, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Like, um, yeah, I guess I'm in. You got me, Netflix. I know. And I just wish they had better planning, kind of like how they did the Fear Street series. I wish you just oh dropped yes. it all on us. You know what I mean? Like yes. uh, of the dead trilogy, whatever, like this whole thing, like together, that would be so much fun. But now oh that I have gosh. to wait to see all of his projects, like Zack Snyder has the Norse mythology anime, the, the mm -hmm. anime prequel series of this thing. He has this movie called Rebel Moon that he's calling his Star Wars. And then and now uh, Planet of the Dead. So it's like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, there's so much. Is Netflix at a point where it can now essentially cross over with its other films? Like, how do we get essentially that Chris Helmsworth uh, franchise that's <laughs> up and running in with this? Because, I mean, if we have like a, you know, a typical lead problem, because Dieter's not that. Right. It's sitting over there. All they have to do in this next film is show a clip of like, hey, this is happening in Vegas. <laughs> that's all that's needed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't know, man. That's yeah. Uh, that, it's, it's not bad. If they had more forethought, they needed to know proof of yes. concept with Army of the Dead. But I say Who's that, the but then they greenlit this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, man. I really don't. I guess I they know, sold man. them on a vision, him and Shea Hatton, yes. which as you mentioned, like you're like, oh, it's kind of John Wickish. He's the one who wrote John Wick three and four. So Shea Hatton <laughs> has kind of the primer for this, the 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 map to do it. And I guess maybe we'll see with John Wick four. Maybe we can kind of see how that vision goes, and maybe that kind of speaks to his vision of this too, uh, things that he mm -hmm. likes to do. But man, we have to wait and see. But like I said, I had uh, a good enough time. I'm probably right there with the letterbox score, probably like a two and a half, three, somewhere in there, you know, the, like yeah. kind of a, a middle thing. Like I enjoyed myself. It has issues. I'm still here for the, the world building, but ultimately they could have done so much more here. Yeah. I do like it more 
than Army of the Dead, but for very different reasons, right? Like, I think the action is, is, is definitely, I'm coming to Army of the Dead for the action, but I came to Army of Thieves for Dieter and I got my Dieter. So I'm at a three and a half with that. Okay. Um, I think it's a, it's, it's a good movie. I enjoy it a tad bit more narratively, but it does leave enough of an open ending where I'm just very curious to see where it goes. If I have to watch the anime to kind of like get the base of whatever Either it's going to be Army, like you said, Planet of the Dead is probably going to come before Dieter. If, if Dieter's just going to take over Planet of the Dead, cool. But yeah. I, I don't want I don't want to wait two years. So Netflix, let's all right, let's, let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be tough now because we're in production hell, right? With uh, yes. delays everywhere and everything else. Like, hopefully they can get everybody back on board and and do this. But whew, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the order of anything. Like they're yeah. just green lighting every, green lighting everything and just go all right. Let's get it all out there. Okay. It's like six things. He's one guy. Can we can we can we split the bill here? I think again that's why Snyder didn't have a lot to do with this one. It's based on his characters. There's probably, you know, a world building conversation, but it's it's not his script. It's not his directing. So I think you're right. I think it's about expectations. Army of the Dead, we expected something larger because it's Zack Snyder and there's a conversation around what he does as a director. And then this movie, you're like, if it's passable, we're like happy. You know, if you Mm -hmm. got more Dieter and weren't disappointed, you're fine. And that's exactly what this is. It's kind of like, you know, a C plus movie that we just had a lot of fun with. So I'm good. And I appreciate you coming on, man. That's a lot of stuff we just downloaded for everybody. And again, the, the, thirstiness of netflix to make sequels we could have we already know there's going to be sequels for the army of the dead the of the dead series and then now the potential of a harder they fall one man they, just everything they do i saw passing i don't think there's gonna be a sequel to that one uh, but <laughs> but who knows maybe they're gonna come up with more that they could do with that one well, we, we, we have to get an old guard sequel so like yeah, that's, no, that's that, definitely happening that? yeah i i haven't heard a a bit of a peep on it. Yeah. The, yeah. We got the extraction sequel coming. Um, mm-hmm. Old Guard one. They kind of sort of talked about it a little bit. That global fan festival, the Tadum thing uh, mm-hmm. that they did. We have uh, Enola Holmes two coming through. Okay. So they're building worlds. They're trying to keep you on the hook. Uh, but how often can they do this? I will like bet you that Red Notice, they're like, I don't care what it does. If we can get these three stars back, we're writing a sequel. So, oh, and you know that Jason Statham is going to be a part of it too. So absolutely, <laughs> yeah. This, this is their Fast and the Furious. <laughs> like, we don't care how silly or stupid or wherever it goes. We're just going to keep adding stars and get you right back in the game. So it's not dumb. It's not a no. bad strategy. I think they got this on lock, and definitely you had your game on today, man. I appreciate that going through this with me and uh what do you got coming up man i see you all over like other people's pods you know you're back doing yeah, minority man. report uh stuff yeah over. i am it, it's 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 been good yeah i'm back with the i'm back with the guys over at um at, at minorities report so you can check out the stuff when i'm in the mood right i guess you can check out the website at mreportpod.com i'm not in the mood right a lot um i haven't got a chance to start up my podcast i think i'm gonna probably wait till 2022 to kind of like come back in full full effect with the colby Tommy podcast but if you guys want to go list some back episodes uh please go ahead and do so at Colby told me. And if you're not following me, you definitely do so at Colby told me that's K O L B Y T O L D me. So when they ask you where you heard it from, you can tell them Colby told me. Absolutely, man. 
uh, do all that. See where Colby's love for Lakeith and the photograph, like go back all the way to those episodes, you know, do the deep dives on all a lot of these actors that we've mentioned already. Thank you so much for doing it again, man. We'll have you on real soon. Thank you.